Hey friends, welcome to Timely Testimonies. I'm Dave, your host. This is my second audio podcast, but know that I also have eight other episodes already available in video format on my website at timelytestimonies.org. The focus of Timely Testimonies is that your testimony story is not just about your conversion. Whether you've been walking with God for a month, a year, or all your life, He shows up in every aspect of your life, all throughout every day, and it's those experiences of our recent timely encounters with Him that this show is mostly about. On today's podcast, I meet with Kevin Cushing, a podcaster and fellow content creator that I met in the past year while pursuing this ministry. Kevin grew up in the church as a pastor's kid and has walked with Jesus all his life. Professionally, he spent many years in motion picture and TV development, and then as a marketing executive for a tech company. Throughout his life, Kevin has employed his creative passions in his worship as a writer of devotions, dramatic material, and biblical podcasts. He's also served as a part-time preacher at a local church in Los Angeles. When I met with Kevin over Zoom recently, we talked about how our seasons of walking with the Lord don't always go in a linear path. We talked about how our testimonies here on earth can have eternal significance far beyond what we could imagine. We talked about how God uses specific methods of encouragement for nearly every believer. And lastly, we talked about how our preconceived expectations sometimes get in the way and how God always has infinitely more possible solutions to a challenge than we ever see. My conversation itself with Kevin was a source of refreshment and encouragement to me and I know that you'll find the same as you listen. So with that, let's go to the interview. Well, cool. Well, um, well, thanks for making time to share your testimony here today. It's a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me, Dave. Looking sure. Forward. Well, um, I know you, uh, you and I had talked recently, Kevin, about uh, uh, a sermon that you recently shared, and that was something that really stood out to me was um, the great sermon that you gave on Deuteronomy 7, 17 through 24. I know we'll get into some of that, um, but maybe just as a first question, uh, God takes us through different uh, movements, different seasons of life. Um, what, what movement do you find yourself in right now? Mm. You know, for a long time, I've related my story personally to, I look at the Israelites and their movement out of Egypt and in the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. And I've often, you know, said, where am I on that journey? You know, if you kind of look at that story as being analogous to God saving us, you know, God, God brings us into salvation, just like he took the Israelites out of Egypt miraculously and through the Red Sea, uh, almost symbolizing a kind of a baptism. And then there was a wandering in the wilderness, you know, and I think God uses those periods in our life to shape us and to form our character and to establish our trust in him. And I was always looking forward to, okay, Lord, I'm looking for you to bring me into that ultimate ministry, that ultimate place of service where I can be most effective for you. And that, to me, that was represented by the promised land. So you asked me what movement I am I in my life. I feel that I'm at that place where I've been in the wilderness. I'm crossing the Jordan. The Lord is now laying out before me the promised land, in a sense, bringing me to a place of fulfillment and uh, of ultimate uh, service for him. But what I've never realized is that, you know, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan, they still had to do some fighting. You know, we kind of think of the promised land as being the culmination of the journey, and it is, but they still had to do some conquering. After all of that wandering in the wilderness, there was an enemy on the other side of that river, and God had to equip them 
to fight that enemy and subdue it so that they could truly occupy the promised land. So you asked me, where am I right now? I feel like I'm close to being uh, in the mode that God wants me to be in, but there's definitely some enemies that God is putting right in front of me and saying, you know, in order for you to occupy this space that I want to bring you into, I need you to conquer these persistent enemies that are, are still there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, um, I love what you say about uh, crossing the uh, crossing the Jordan and going into the promised land. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more about the fact that uh, even after we cross in, and like you said, we're, we're in the midst of battles, there were instances in uh, the book of Joshua, you know, those first 14 chapters or so, where the Israelites were not faithful. And what it turned out was that there were instances where even when God was among them doing great and mighty things, uh, they were not maintaining their faithfulness. And uh, I think that it's a good reminder to us that even when he's doing things and he's in our midst uh, working that way, um, we need to always be uh, remembering the fact that daily obedience to everything. And, and there were instances where they didn't maintain that daily obedience and it had an immediate consequence. But then in the long run, ultimately he was working for uh for the promise to fulfill the promises that he made, but it was definitely uh, a two-way street there that they had to stay faithful to. Right. You know, I've often thought like, oh, get me Lord, through this wilderness and bring me to your promised land. And it never occurred to me that even when we get to the promised land, there's some fighting that we have to do some battles against an enemy. And God uses that um, to fully bring us into the place where he wants us to be. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So I guess my next question then for you, Kevin, would be, uh, what, what's a lesson that you feel God has to keep bringing you back to? Hmm. Well, uh, so I was raised as a pastor's kid, raised in a Christian home. I've never been far from the Lord or from church. And one of the things that has been a persistent issue in my life is uh, that I feel and sometimes I've been like, especially in my early years, was more of a performance Christian. And that means I believed in the Lord. I loved the Lord and wanted to serve him. But I kind of felt that what the Lord wanted from me was a great exterior. Like if I put on a good show for him and the outside world thinks I'm a great Christian, then I'm being successful in my service to God. Um, And that's just something I think my mom had some of that. And I you know, picked it up somewhat from her, but there was a great emphasis on if the world thinks well of you, then you're pleasing God. And so it set up a a dynamic that I have fought against for most of my life. And that is, is it about my performance and how I appear to people and how I'm doing externally? Or is my heart really in the right place? Am I you know, just close to the Lord in my heart. And so I feel that's a lesson God keeps bringing me back to. And it's almost like layers that he keeps peeling back because I'm far better on that journey than say I was many decades ago. But I still find that there are pockets of that and areas of that that the Lord has to reveal and say, okay, let me take you even further, even deeper in that journey, that it's not about your performance. Uh, Because, you know, I've always basically, been I think a good person you know I haven't had major vices I you know I've been kind you know uh, but those things are not what God is looking for ultimately those are our outflows and, and results of our relationship with God but they don't define our relationship with God 
And sometimes I've worked more from the outside in than the inside out. Yeah, that's a great point that you raise is that we're not called to just be nice people. That's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is about life transformation. And everything that God does is awesome and transformative in lives. It's not just about, you know, being kind to the person that, to open the door when you're walking into the restaurant, although those are good things, but it needs to go so much more beyond that. And um, I like what you're saying. In fact, when you gave that sermon uh, recently, the one I was uh, able to watch on uh, uh, on, on Facebook, um, I really liked what you had to say about Deuteronomy 7. Um, and you told me how uh, in our recent conversation, how Deuteronomy 7 uh, has become a very important passage to you. And, and I think it's specifically verses 17 through 24, the promise that God makes. Why that scripture and what does it say to you? Well, uh, so for about the last seven or eight years, I've really made a practice of reading through the entire Bible every year. And so every year I've had some kind of a reading plan that would take me through all of scripture. And about six years ago, just being a year or two into that practice, I was having a day where, you know, I was starting a day uh, where I was really feeling uh, just bereft, you know, just unsettled. Um, I was going through a very difficult divorce. Uh, I had to get to work. I had, you know, I was a senior manager at a dot com and I, um, you know, was just looking for I, I felt kind of hopeless that morning. And I kind of settled in with my Bible reading ritual and I was praying like, Lord, I need something. I need, you know, some kind of word from you. I could, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. And my reading was, happened to be in the chapters. I think it was like Deuteronomy seven through nine or something like that. But uh, that happened to be my reading. Now I didn't go to Deuteronomy expecting to find life transformation because I, I don't know. I just, I thought, it, oh, maybe that's like a dry book. It's not something I'm going to relate to as much. Uh, but as I read, um, this one paragraph, 17 through 24 of chapter seven, just really sh stuck out to me. And I really felt God telling me that that day that that was for me, that that was the message that I needed to embrace and get uh, comfort and encouragement from. Uh, so I know our time is limited here. I won't take the time to read that, but I would encourage those watching to read Deuteronomy 7, 17 through 24. And specifically what it is, Moses is giving a speech through a much longer section. Uh, it's near the end of his life, and he's about to leave the Israelites. They're about to go in and occupy the promised land, and he's kind of reviewing their history and also telling them, giving them instruction about how they are to behave as they conquer and as they live in the promised land. And Deuteronomy 7 through 17, kind of, or excuse me, 17 through 24, explains uh, how that they were going to conquer. And I just found the principles in there so pertinent and so relevant to my life. And so just briefly, I'll, I'll just kind of trace it. Verse 17 speaks about how do we speak to ourselves about our problems? You know, are we talking to ourselves in a way where we say this problem's too big for me or God's not big enough to take or I'm on my own. It's up to me to solve this problem. We often get in a panic because we do kind of even though we believe in God, we're not really leaning on him. So, so 17 to me talks about what is your self-talk? What are you saying? And we need to correct that. Verse 18 talks about fear. 
Don't be afraid. And that's something we really need to get a hold of. And then it's very specific about how we conquer our fear. It says, remember well what God has done in the past for you, uh, how he used his mighty arm and his outstretched hand, just the wonders and the signs. And he's recalling for them all he did in Egypt to bring them out and all the miracles. And I think we, to conquer our fears, need to go back and have a history that we look back on and say, when has God been faithful to me in the past? When did God really show up and use those times and specifically use those memories uh, to grab onto so that it brings us some assurance in the present? So we have to conquer our self-talk. We have to manage our fear. And then furthermore, it, it gives us principles like this victory is going to be incremental. God's going to do it little by little. Don't expect in most cases, God to come in and just wipe out every problem you have in one fell swoop. But God is going to use it as a training opportunity and experience for you. And little by little, you're going to conquer. Because if God were to give it to you too much, it says in that passage, the wild animals in your new territory would overwhelm you. So God's going to allow you to conquer as he trains you to be able to manage what it is that he's giving you to have control over. And the other thing that I, I see, that there's just so much in that passage that's rich. Uh, it's going to be a thorough victory. God's going to wipe out every enemy. And that often explains, by the way, why it is incremental and why it's difficult. Because God not only wants to hand over uh, something like the promised land, an area of rich responsibility and satisfaction to us, but he's trying to train us and he has to root out of us those things that are our problem areas in our life. And that means it talks about him sending the hornet uh, to even get those little enemies out of the way that are going to bother you. So it's not just a big sweeping victory, but it's a very specific and targeted victory against all of our enemies. God wants complete victory for us in this state of the promised land. And I love the last verse, verse 24 of that section. It says, that God is going to hand our enemies over to us and says, you will be the conqueror. You will be the one who has, uh, has created this victory. And the funny thing is through the whole passage, it's talking about God doing all the fighting and God mm -hmm. you know, using his power and his might. But by the end, it says, you get to take credit for the victory. So just by the virtue of the fact that we're attached to God, that we are hanging on to him and allowing him to do this work. In the end, he says, well done. And he gives us the victory and he calls us conquerors just for the fact that we stayed in the battle with him. Uh, so to me, the, the whole message of that paragraph, there's so much there. It's a good seven or eight principles that I go back to again and again, and I'm always applying. So when things feel overwhelming to me, I kind of look into that passage and go, in what area am I not focusing? Is it, is it the way I'm talking to myself? Am I overwhelmed by fear or terror? Am I not letting God do enough of the fighting? Am I trying too hard on my own? Um, and, you know, just recalling these verses has been, uh, it's really become kind of a life passage for me. and something I always draw nourishment from every time I return to it. Kevin, we, we, could, we could make a whole uh, discussion about any one of those single verses. And I, I, I agree with you. There's so much packed into each one of those. And it's so hard to pick out just one. But one of them that does stick out to me is that final one, like you said, about 24. And you and I are both, we, we, we work in the business environment. And we're frequently on things like LinkedIn, seeing what's going on in our industries. We attend conferences. And... Everywhere we go, 
we find that to be the case that the thing that gets uh, one of the things that really gets esteemed is when a leader gives credit to the people that work with them and that work under them. Um, that's something that's so celebrated. Um, it, it, it comes as no surprise that our own God does the same thing. And he really is the one who's doing all of the work. And yet he's still just knowing our nature and knowing how we operate and what resonates with us as humans. And he knows that the thing that resonates with uh, us and in the case of following him is that he invites us into that mm. and, and he gives credit to us. And um, in fact, I um, was uh, finding in um, Revelation when the, uh, the dragon, when Satan is defeated, the pronouncement about how he is defeated um, it says that uh, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Mm. So we know that Jesus' blood does all the work in our salvation and defeating the devil. But it's interesting to me that even in that case as well, God incorporates us by the word of our testimony as if it depended on us, which we know it doesn't. But yes. in, in a way, you know, I think that he's just doing that because he wants us to feel a part of his work. And um I think going back to everything that you've said, it's 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 just a great point about how how he does that um, all throughout things, including the passage in Deuteronomy. I love that, and it really ties back to this ministry that you have started uh, called Timely Testimonies, because I really believe that in the new heaven and the new earth, when someday you know the Lord has returned and He's established His kingdom, and we're all enjoying his presence forever. I believe that the time that we lived on earth will stand as a perpetual testimony to what happens when sin enters the picture and what is going to keep people, what, what will make it impossible for sin to ever hold sway again is literally the power of the testimonies that we will be able to look back on. I, I believe that we will not only have something like scripture, you know, written word, but, you know, maybe we'll be able to actually view, you know, scenes of things that have happened, but the testimonies of those, all those who are with us in heaven and what they lived through and what they learned uh, will stand for all time uh, as a way to keep us from ever considering any kind of rebellion against God. So speaking our testimony and telling our story is, is key to this process. You, all the power comes from God, but we're the ones who get to live the story. And that gets imbued with power uh, as we allow God to work in our life. Well, you know, to take this one step further, and if there were a court case, and if someone was on the witness stand, uh, and they were being asked to bring forth people to testify on their behalf, the ones who give their testimony, that, you know, a, a, a secondhand person attesting to the integrity or the goodness of the one under trial is so much more compelling to the opposition than mm -hmm. that one speaking on their behalf. And, you know, in Job chapter one, Satan entered into the assembly of God and he challenged God's integrity and his sovereignty before the whole congregation of angels. And, you know, God would have been fully justified at that moment to just wipe out Satan right then and there. But instead he allowed it to happen and he allowed Satan to do what he was going to do, not just to, to Job, but also to all of humanity by extension. Um, and I think part of the rationale of God in his wisdom in doing that was that he needed, uh, in order for that question to be answered eternally, it would need to come from the ones who are the believers, not just from the creator, but from the believers themselves. And that's why I 
feel so passionate about testimony is that we have that opportunity to do that for the almighty God. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, so the um, the final question, uh, Kevin, you mentioned, mentioned that uh, you grew up as a pastor's kid. You've known the Lord your whole life. Uh, in what ways has your walk with God gotten easier? And in what ways uh, has it become more difficult? Well, I'd say the, uh, the easier part would just come from having a deeper knowledge of God's word, uh, you know, as I've gone a lot and, you know, knowing more Christian people, having more experiences, obviously there's a greater wealth of knowledge and wisdom that God has built into me uh, and a certain kind of maturing. But what has taken me by surprise at this stage of my life is I kind of, when I was younger, I always thought that growing in the Lord was sort of just a linear experience. And I just thought the, if you're in the Lord, I thought the older you get, the easier your walk gets, uh, you know, and like I said, you do gain wisdom and maturity. And certainly my knowledge of the word is, is much stronger year by year, but it doesn't mean that the temptations, uh, go away. And sometimes new temptations come up that you never thought would attack you before. And it makes me think of that verse where it says, Satan, after he tempted Jesus, left him so that he could come back at a more opportune time. And we know that Satan tempted Jesus again near the end in the Garden of Gethsemane and tempted him to, you know, uh, on his entire mission. And that's what I'm learning at this stage of my life is that so God's given me more maturity. He's given me more tools and equipment and, you know, uh, of how to, how to walk with him. But uh, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be fresh attacks that will be things that will really surprise you. And, and as I look at the lives, you know, I've known many saints, many people who are in the Lord who I respected and I, who late in life, um, take you know, a surprising turn away from the Lord or, you know, do a very rebellious thing or a very foolish action. And you even see that in God's word. Some of the uh, Israel and, and Judean kings, you know, some of the best kings, they were great kings for most of their career. And then they kind of take this turn near the end of their life into rebellion, into foolishness. And even Solomon, we're told, was that way. He had all this wisdom, but near the end of his life, he turned cynical and he was kind of turned away maybe by all the, all the wives he took on. So I think that's interesting. It's uh, the Christian walk as you go older and you get into middle age and beyond is not just a continuous upward journey. You know, it, it's, you have to be careful and you have to remain vigilant because Satan will return and try and attack you in different ways. And sometimes he can use your very knowledge to make you self-satisfied and make you think, okay, I've got this now. Uh, I don't have to remain as vigilant. And it's just not true. Uh, there are fresh attacks. And those attacks, by the way, are opportunities for us to grow in deeper ways. You know, God is continuing to refine us. Um, so that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that that's great. And, uh, you know, I think so many of us uh, uh, who have been Christians for many years, including myself, completely identify with everything you were just saying, that I, I, I remember thinking that uh, it, it was going to be this linear path, and it hasn't. Um, but um, we realize eventually over time, that's not what God promised us. And it's not really what he is about. What he's about is working in us and you know, in every season of life. 
so I think that there's a good chance that um, some of the people who watch this video could be going through either a season of discouragement or maybe just uh, an expectation of something that's been delayed. So for anybody who's watching that, what, what, would, what would your message be to somebody who's going through that season right now? Well, the times when I have been discouraged and there've been some recent times included in that is often because I've become focused on specific circumstances or specific outcomes that I thought the Lord was going to work in my life. I thought if I do A and B, then he's going to do X and Y, and that's what's going to happen. And then when things didn't work out that way, that tended to be the source of my discouragement. And so whenever I'm focusing on what the circumstances of my life are or the outcomes I was expecting, there's a temptation to move away from the relationship. You know, what we ultimately, what keeps us grounded and what keeps us on track is just standing in God's presence and really praising him, reflecting on his glory. When we reflect on his character and who he really is and who is this God that we're in relationship with, everything becomes clear and really all the storms kind of settle out, you know, the sea gets calm again. Um, but if we're focused on what we thought God wanted us to do and we thought it was going to turn out a certain way, that's often why we get discouraged. So I would encourage anybody who's going through a season of discouragement to ask yourself, is it because you expected things to go a certain way and you're disappointed and you're even kind of questioning God because you thought a certain outcome was promised when really all God ever promised was himself. And, and another lesson I'm learning is that one of Satan's constant tactics is to try and back us into corners where we feel that there's no good solution. Um, we see that with the prodigal son when he left his father and then he ran out of money and he's tending the pigs. He felt like there was no, I can't go back to my dad and I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't have a job and I don't have any money. So I guess I just have to feed these pigs until he woke up suddenly. And he's like, wait a minute, there is another option. I could go back to my father and I could repent and I'd probably be treated better than I'm being treated now. You know, or the woman caught in adultery. Remember the men brought them hurts of Jesus and they were going to stone her. And their whole point was they were trying to trap Jesus into two options. You know, either he's going to be unloving to this woman. And, you know, if he, if he follows the just path of God, or he's going to forgive her sin, which is going to make him look like he doesn't care about God's laws. And they thought they really had Jesus, but Jesus, God always has another route. God has infinite possibilities available to us when we surrender to him. So if you're going through a season of discouragement, I would ask you to look at, are you focused on circumstances? Has Satan gotten you into a place where you think, oh, there's only two options and they're both terrible. And that's why I, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. You, we need to surrender more, go back to being just close to the Lord, close to his character in his presence. God has many, many more options available to us uh, then we realize he has many paths available to him and he will make one of those available to us. And that will be the, the solution that will bring us out of our season of discouragement. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and uh, uh, just with all your wisdom, Kevin, I feel like I'm getting uh, uh, the proverbial drink from the fire hose in a spiritual sense, in a good way. So it's been a real blessing to, to meet with you and speak with you today. So Thank you so much for sharing some of your, your story and some of your insights today. It's a pleasure, Dave. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. 
One thing I appreciate about Kevin is that I could tell he's a lifetime student of the word, and it sometimes takes a long time to develop the perspectives and insights that Kevin shared today. Paul spoke about spiritual milk versus solid food, and I'd say that talking with Kevin was definitely a wholesome, hearty meal of solid spiritual food. I hope you enjoyed it, and I thank you for joining me today. Until next time, may God bless.